So we've had to reschedule a few times. Thank you so much for joining me. Yes. I I apologize as well for that. Don't even, don't even apologize. I know you're going through it. Had to. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're a father of six kids, right? Five kids. Five. Five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I count as one of them though. So I think six is of myself, my inner child. So I wanted to start out talking to you about some of the stuff you currently have going on and then from there talk about your first band say anything a little yeah, bit about the history of it um of so make team presents maxim mental and maximalism is make yeah. team like your version of good music okay i know you've always been sort um, of like a hip-hop guy yeah 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 uh, i um actually uh make team specifically is um is a production team that's me, uh, Will Yip, um, and Parker, who was in Say Anything with me, um, and helped produce this record with Will. So, you know, it's it's the first thing we've done together, but we want to return to it. I guess it's more like our version of NERD, if you if you wanted to, or the Neptunes. Yeah. Um, but mental is kind of, I think overarchingly more like a, a Madonna. And you know, I am my son's mother. <laughs> or whatever the hell. Um, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, I mean, even going back to In Defense, I remember reading you talking about how the features on it, you mm-hmm. always felt that it was sort of like exclusive to hip hop to have a record full of featured guests on the on different yeah. tracks. And you wanted yeah. to sort of like incorporate that into the type of music that you were making at the time. I always yeah. thought that was pretty cool. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I do. I still think uh, I think I think honestly, like Gen Z has done it a lot better, you know, like uh, in terms of indie rock uh, being uh, collaborative. You know what I mean? There's tons of splits and people it, and it naturally comes when like the, the environment and the community is really inclusive and everyone is kind of like growing down with each other. That stuff really just kind of happens. But for a while, you know, when we entered the picture, things were very compartmentalized and commercialized and, you know, everything was being sold off to major labels. And, you know, it, was, it wasn't as encouraged to have that kind of DIY thing. And then ironically, hip hop is like the least DIY, but at the same time, it kind of is, you know what I mean? Like, uh, a lot of the times, even if those artists are on a major label, they're very much so calling the shots contractually, like creatively. Um, even if they're kind of tied into shitty deals or whatever, like sometimes they're still getting, they like at least A&R people will recognize that it is that collaboration that makes it special. You know, that 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 is the spirit of hip hop. Um, but also punk was like that, you know, like bands going on tour and working together, joining each other's bands and all that stuff. It's just that we kind of missed that boat um growing up in LA not around any other punk bands at all so as soon as I sort of became a part of something that I felt proud to be a part of especially like a lot of bands that I had even grown up listening to kind of adopted me so I felt like I wanted to kind of you know uh show off a little bit (laughs) and and 
and bring uh, attention to some people who didn't have attention and or or validate people who sort of had attention but were seen as as less than certain other bands you know what i mean like um, yeah you were always really yeah. great at like guesting on like there's this one band like something birds that had like the headphone lights yeah yeah, yeah 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 you always yeah, were Lady like Bird. yeah ladybirds and if he tries to find it Yeah, you were yeah. featuring you were featuring yourself on a lot of Thanks. unknown artists. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was all that you know. That again was just like a really close friend of mine. Um, you know, a lot of those features uh, ended were just people. You know, down to earth approach. Were good friends of ours, and um, pretty much everything that I've done uh, guest vocally is someone that I, I know, you know. Jonathan Lulo, he's so good. That band is he's great. the best. Are you sure you were yeah that's great that you know that's so funny because like it was weird i had like a dream about them um and then like they came on randomly on a playlist which like you know if you're familiar with them like you know it's pretty deep cut for them to like appear out of nowhere and i was like whoa um like like it was a very weird moment for sure <laughs> so uh, this is this has to be like the most bemises on a single record at any given point um probably is it, I, I mean it would be a hard thing to outdo <laughs> who yeah. says fucker in circle dude mother, mother. Fucker. i know that's uh, what the fans are always that's my um my son charlie and he also does like uh he does the, a freestyle uh, yeah he does his first freestyle and that was literally like five seconds after i put him in front of a mic for the first time ever you know, was there was great. no like yeah, there's no goading him into it. She hits you with a bat with a cane, but she was laying in the bun and screamed at you. And a woman oh, and where the bane. Just because he had started listening to uh, rap battles. It was like, it's one of those weird, like, YouTube meme things. It's like, they'll have, like, Pennywise versus Joker rap battle. And they're like, you <laughs> clown, turn that clown face upside down. And it's like, you know, so he's been watching that. And then so I'm like, do a freestyle. He knew exactly what it was and just busted into it. It was it was a really special moment for me because we 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 had been going through a lot as a family. And then just, you know, I I had uh stepped out and into the studio just kind of to escape things and brought Charlie and was like, check it out. And I'm like, why don't you just do this? And it was like a moment of pure abandon, really, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've seen videos that Sherry posts of the of Lucy singing like just oh, off man. the dome, the most pretty melodies. Is she singing in Girls the Truth at the end? Yeah, and she made that up too. Uh, 
Um, but she's like, ah. and so it's kind of uh, sad, you know, as a father where I'm like, oh, you're growing out of it. You don't care. And, you know, and, but then also I don't want to like push her in a certain direction because, you, because I'm a musician. I don't want to assume that like, that's what's going to bring her happiness just because she's good at it. You know? Yeah. Well, when the ink dries out of the markers, she'll go back to singing. I hope so. Yeah. Metaphorically. Yeah. Um, another line that I really liked, I've burned every bridge at the boys club. I've burned every bridge at the boys I never really was part of the boys club. I mean, yeah. but, I mean, Me I, either. <laughs> but I know what you mean. And I think that a yeah. lot of, yeah, I think it's a, it's a beautiful sentiment. I think Thank this record so is, much. is, um, I think it's, it's sort of a culmination of what you've been trying to do, at least from my perspective for, for the past yeah. few records. I mean, even, even from the beginning, I, yeah. mean, I think we sort of entered it wanting to subvert it. And, um, you know, that was my intention was that like, I felt like there were other people like me immersed in a certain community, um, you know, and taking something out of it that not everyone was, you know, there was a boys club, uh, and to still is to punk and to, to rock and roll in general, you know, and I felt like but that shouldn't discount what it could be and what it is to, you know, in many cases uh, and what it is to a lot of people, like it can serve those functions um, without being misogynistic, you know, or without being, it goes beyond misogyny to just being this like insidious extension of the machine, you know, like, um, and I feel like any art form can be co-opted by that machine, but like, you know, you just have, you, you kind of have to navigate the tropes and and pick what works for you um and it's different for each individual so i i you know like for instance you know there are plenty of bands on the warp tour who are not like that you know who are who are just or folks in certain specific bands where you'd have one guy in the band who's a complete douchebag and then you'd have a really sweet bass player who doesn't even know what the fuck's going on just wants to play music um, so it's so individuated as a, you know, when it comes to relationships and how people treat people and who's nice and who's not nice. Um, and I really just never gave a shit about what was socially supposed to happen, uh, in those situations. And, and, you know, fr from a young age, I think, you know, like it wasn't just that it was, um, high school, it was summer camp you know it was yeah uh, okay let's let's go there because I, let's I wanna, go there yeah let's go there i mean yes. I, met, I became friends with joel at camp Rama. that's where you met i know Kobe. i love that i and, love that yeah so and you went to windward high school i did and, yeah um, are you from california or? i'm from los angeles yeah nice where did you go well, I, I'm from a suburb, Valencia, Santa Clarita. So. Yeah, yeah, of course. My yeah. grandmother went to Hall Fairfax High School. My grandfather nice. went to Hollywood High School. That's great. Um, Did you ever get to our house? Because that's where we live, is right there, like Fairfax District. Um, I hung out with Joel on Fairfax a few times, but I never yeah. went over. <laughs> that's basically right where we live. Cool, yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, I, I've sent you the questions. Maybe you read over a few of them. I was at a bar I, once. I wanted to go into it full on. I always tend to want to just mouth off without thinking too hard about it. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, like, I, I met Z Berg at a, a bar once, and I, awesome. I, I learned about her band, The Like.
from a show yeah. that you guys played with her and yes. she she went to crossroads so did jonah hill there's a lot of famous kids in the industry music film otherwise i mean yeah. you know how many foods are shaped like dicks the best kinds because yeah. your dad is a talented graphic designer and he did yeah posters for for forrest gump identity adaptation right and yes. I like, what was it like? Grow I, I, I bring that up because, I mean, she's the mm -hmm. daughter of Tony Berg, who yep. produced the latest Phoebe Bridges. And wow, I'm, that's crazy. I didn't know he did that. That's nuts. Yeah, and I'm curious, wow. like, I mean, your contemporaries at the time were Kara's Flowers, yeah. Maroon 5, Rooney. Yeah. Who Phantom Planet. What was it like growing up around the, in this culture of just like, I mean, you guys didn't really fit into that no. mold at that's, all. That's really? what it was like. You know what I mean? Like it, it was, but it was a weird thing because when I try to explain our role in it, I think you would understand better than most people that it's like we were outcasts, but we also weren't. You know, we were at, you know, I was <laughs> like, this is, this is, very painful to it to say out loud and and like admit i guess you could say but or a weird admit claim. It, max yeah is like i was sort of one of the more popular kids in my class you know it's like and yet also the most alienated openly you know what i mean like people it's just that that was the norm at the time like in a way post nirvana being alienated was what everyone was you know what i mean so yeah, i feel sort of like circled back to that i think now too yeah so i mean like you know you'd have i was on the football team and and all these things um and you know uh but but i was complete like if you looked at my inner emotional life it was very similar to how some goth who's you know listening to my chemical romance in iowa feels because in that boys club, for instance, it was, you know, people were really misogynistic there. You know, it would be fucking every girl at the show, um, you know, using status to to obtain drugs and obtain popularity. And I definitely don't think that, you know, my though I was raised in it, you know, like the good thing about my dad and his sort of shtick was that it was never um like he's really well respected in the community, but it's not like it wasn't you know, really so, commercially driven art either. Uh, well, well, yeah, I mean, to some degree and particularly him, he was like a rebel. And that's where I got a lot of my stuff was him wanting to subvert things through that art. Um, that's really where I got that was from my dad. You know, he put that in my head early on that corporations were sort of fucked up and, you know, you, you almost have to burrow inside of them and, to destroy them. But is that what the, is that what belt is? Yeah. It was my father's once. I still see his face. I said, whoa, oh, oh. Yeah, you know, and and I mean, my whole the whole thing is is a is a both like a defiance and complete homage to my dad. You know, say anything really as an entirety, um, because there are certain things of of that generation that you know, I'm not down with. And then there, but then they did so much right that we can learn from, you know. Um, You're talking about like the boomers and the hippies. Yes, exactly. You know, or or even at, at, the, at, 
at that point, you know, the first generation of of punk and 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 even closer, the people who were making emo, you know, before I was. And that's really when it got to is a real boy. I was sort of ready to kind of like, you know, I was fucking with the people at Windward or whatever. You know, I was I was singing about, you know, like showdown at p-town is about the pacific palisades you know so meet me where the city turns to trees and nothing comes for free let's see just how imposing you can be to me it's like i was very angry about this like because i was not really raised with a silver spoon so to speak like compared to most of the country you would say we were pretty well off but you know how intense it is in california you know especially in la like the wealth and the and the spoiling of the kids is so insane like to the point where and when i say spoiling i love giving my kids stuff it's not about having your kids feel free it's about you know letting them basically run rampant morally and and enabling it and not caring enough to really get involved and see that they're suffering inside and they're maybe like lashing out and being you know some of the you know very well it's like people join gangs not because they have to but to be cool it, it, i very much compare a lot of what i grew up to to the movie alpha dog you know like where everyone yeah, was like right. wanting to be friends with some dude who's really in a gang and then they would you know like i'm like why are you dealing drugs your dad is like scott rudin you know like or whatever <laughs> You know, so I I just I feel like I I really hated that, you know, so I, I definitely think but it goes all the way back to, you know, uh, you know, talking about the boomers and sort of like social socially enforced stereotyping and misogyny. You know, I really sense that from a very young age, you know, way back going to Temple Emanuel Community Day School, um, you know, um, it was there too, you know, like my best friend, like my first real heartbreak was like my best friend who was like this little dude and he just became kind of a prick, you know, he became a prick um, and he was too cool and he became sort of homophobic and angry and just very mean to me. Um, that's and in, that's uh, that story is in death for my birthday, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or young, dumb and stuck. Oh, young, dumb and stuck. Yeah, yeah. When I was 10 years young, my douche best friend decided that I was just not cool enough for him. My awkward frame and buck tooth for one with a new skin Late last week I saw that man He was far too high to grasp that I shook his hand I got my pride in my rock band Singing words that he don't understand But yes, and, and, and I'm glad you know it. So it's like, <laughs> he, he's, and he, um, it was horrible. I remember like getting really depressed over it and not just because I was alienated, but because of seeing this person sort of like flip Is that the something from... like you still think about and meditate on the pain of yeah, that moment? Oh, totally. I mean, through therapy and stuff, you know what I mean? Cause it was like a four, <laughs> there was like some pretty hardcore emotional abuse there. You know what I mean? Like when you're a kid, it's one of the many reasons that we homeschool our kids and and you know i know that that's just overcompensating and they'll have some other complaint about that um but at the same time i couldn't bear to watch them go through what i went through with the amount of everyone you know in school and in high school especially 
goes through just drama and heartbreak after heartbreak, betrayal after betrayal on a daily basis. You just it's, show up. It's at school. kind of brutal. It's like it's fucking terrible. It's still torture. to this day, I think, you know, you know, maybe accepting the past few years of my life, um, which have been equally brutal to that, if not worse, it's it's it, it was up to that point up to the past few years the most brutal my life ever was including like you know becoming bipolar and going to the hospital having a terrible abusive relationship with a girl all these things like none of that compared to just my daily insecurity heartbreak and depression of being in school you know like i really didn't fit in in such a profound way emotionally I like mean, I, I was not yes well I mean, I think you channeled whatever frustration and alienation you were feeling into your art and not just the art part of the art. You were sending letters to drive through records, trying to get yes. songs cleared yes. for school yeah. school video projects. You you channeled this energy that you weren't being that was being suppressed in other ways into yeah, your I mean, art. I mean, ironically, it's like that was what was being suppressed. You know what I mean? Because like. I wanted to create art, you know, maybe I would have done better at a straight up arts magnet school. Um, but I also appreciated why my parents didn't send me to one because there's so much of that sort of, um, you know, what you were talking about that LA is at a lot of those places. It's why I ended up not going to crossroads, even though like most of my friends are from crossroads, Yeah. but the, it, there is a spare amount of really amazing people who go there. And then there is a lot of shitty spoiled people who come from the end. Like when you're immersed in, it's kind of like, I thought I could escape shittiness by going to Sarah Lawrence university. Yeah, we'll and it was, that. Yeah. And it, and it was just the opposite problem. You know what I mean? Like just as in you go to a, you know, to, to an art gallery, you're going to get just as many bullies as a Dodgers game, you know? Um, and I, I didn't know that because I romanticized, you know, artsiness to some degree. I was never like an artsy kid necessarily. I was very like creative, but I was not like a drama kid or like a band kid. You know, I was just kind of like a stoner kid who hung out and, chilled and went to parties and did what most kids do in high school. Um, and, uh, you know, very much Joel esque in terms of like what I did with my time. And, you know, I liked that as opposed to being, I, I was annoyed a little bit by the sort of exclusiveness of artsy kids and, and geekdom in high school. Like I secretly read comic books and, you know, liked punk rock, but I wasn't like a punk, you know what I mean? I, I, um, I felt like there was, I was annoyed by the exclusivity. And then I finally saw that take its full, to its full conclusion. And, you know, in New York and with hipsterism and whatnot, you know, it, it really, I just saw it go from like, you know, those bands you mentioned, you know, um, and some of them were great people for sure. But then a lot of like, I love a lot of, the, I, I love Rooney and Phantom Planet. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. But like Phantom Planet in particular, I'm a huge fan of and, and really nice people. Um, and, and some of the people, for instance, you know, in the like, like you got good ones, you got a shitty ones. And like, it's like you were either 
you know, someone who I could hang out with, with where there's a lot of humility and self, you know, um, having a sense of humor about yourself and not feeling better than anyone. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to bring up, because like, yeah, you weren't really fitting into that L.A. proper scene. No. But Drive Through Records was in Orange County. And mm-hmm. I mean, you were playing shows with some of those bands. I mean, yeah, I wrote bit. like you're the say anything where it's just one word is thanked in yeah. something corporate's yeah. album. And like, yeah, that's I mean, crazy. Like, I didn't I don't... know that. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I'll scan it for you and send it to you. That's awesome. If you But like, yeah, I would find out about a lot of bands just reading the thank yous and the Me music too. that you were making at the time really fit more into that. Of course, arena. of course. I mean, that was what it's really funny. Hold on. I don't want my phone to die. So I'm just. So I guess what I was going to ask you is, were you talking to Richard and Kath? Uh, what are Stephanie, their names? Yeah, Stephanie. they were the first people to do the whole thing of of my relationship with them is very. You know, if you're into this world, um, it's just very mythic. I mean, I don't want you to like, I don't want to bore you with these. With oh, this. No, oh, no, I love it because I was into that world. So I, I actually appreciate the mythic quality of it. I mean, I find it funny because it's like I'm involved in it. And I kind of see it as like, you know, like I find the humor in, in, in it too. But I also do see it as mythic. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I... When you devote the amount of time that I'm sure you have and that I definitely did to music, um, you know, those are the it's weird. Like that's like a, those are weird little myths, you know, that of but they're important and they kind of help you figure yourself out when you watch behind the music and you kind of hear how this thing came together or that came together. It's a very you know, it can that kind of thing can speak to any human experience whether you're in a band or not you know what i mean like it's a very it was very um very true my whole yeah my whole uh career has been so kismet that it's caused me to lose my mind repeatedly you know like uh, that happens to me so many that happens to me so often when i think about like the the chance encounters that had to have gone exactly the way they did for me to end up where i am it makes you lose your mind Right. It's the whole, some people think it's a simulation. I don't think it's a simulation. No, I, I, get, I think I it's get... probably God or something. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like that's, you're just saying God, you know yeah. what I mean? Like for me, it's like, that's what God is. Like we're a simulation of God's existence, you know? Um, but I will say like, um, yeah, that was really fucking random. Like you said, I wrote a random letter to them and I had never played a show I had never really played my music outside of maybe four or five of my friends and like the girl who I was trying to win over with the songs. And then I went and sat in their office and played two songs. And immediately they said, we'll sign you right now. And you had the, like, you didn't have a manager, I'm assuming at this time. Mom was waiting outside in her car. Was she like immediately, Max, do not sign this contract Uh, until we, uh, until we get the Red Hot Chili Peppers lawyer to look at it? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, you know, because I probably would have done it, uh, quicker but but to be fair like i also kind of turned them down i was like weirdly stingy and picky i was even more highfalutin about myself at that age and not because i thought i was that great but because what i wanted the kind of career i was wanting to emulate was so far from 
like you said, cars, flowers, and 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 in that world that was going on around us. So I'm like, no, I really want to do what Saves the Day is doing. I want to do what the Get Up Kids. Did are you doing, talk to you know? Vagrant at the time too? I couldn't. Like I didn't know anyone there, you know. So I like I waited outside of a show and gave Rich our demo, and then you know years later he's like, fuck man, I wish I fucking <laughs> listened to that shit. Uh, he's like a good friend of mine at this point, but um, you know, I wanted to be on Vagrant, and that's why. I turned down drive through and they got really pissed. Uh, and ironically, it's really, so the, here's the really mythic crazy thing about that is that I, I came in and played acoustic for them. And so their whole pitch for me was to be this acoustic guy that would play at punk, pop punk shows yeah like get him up there with just an acoustic guitar right yeah like and then sort I, of like kenny you've made all the singing impression and if it doesn't feel right then i just can't go wrong or ace from the early november i just found a friend in one of your they yeah, would do yeah, solo but, but even more like dashboard. Yeah. yeah so this yeah. was pre-dashboard. Oh wow. You know, so it's like yeah, 2099. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was the year before dashboard. So they brought me in. They're like, he should be an acoustic guy who plays by himself, but plays with all these bands. And and you know, they wanted to do acoustic stuff, but then they wanted to do a record where like all the different drive-through bands backed me, you know, on different songs, which is actually a really cool idea. Yeah. Um, I still want to do something like that because it's a really fun idea. But like then I they found out I was trying to get signed to Vagrant or something like that, got mad at me, and we kind of hated each other for a few years stupidly. Now I'm very good friends with them. They're sweethearts. <laughs> but then the exact same – so then they basically – like, they, you know, I was – I aming with them on AIM or something like six months into it when I had started the band. You know, I started to say anything – Part of it was that I wanted a band and they wanted me to be this acoustic guy. Dude, I and used so to, I'm, I used to AIM with you say anything. Awesome. 16. Uh, Wait, um, what yeah. was your, what was your, I might remember it. I have a weird memory. I think it was Shaniqua 666, but we don't, I could cut that out. I want to read you uh, something you wrote on the website. This is from March, 2003. You hadn't signed to doghouse yet. Mm -hmm. Israel boy was called Zona Zona. So let me just yeah. read it. Hello, yep. say anything, friends and lovers. I've been floating around the country for the past month doing demos, taking meetings, drinking, frisbeeing, and taking photos. The shows I have been playing in New York have been fun, and we're at my old college and my friends' colleges, so I got to party old school style for the first time since I dropped out. I head back to LA in a few days for a couple of weeks. Exciting. Then I go back to the East Coast in mid-April. We plan on recording three songs in Boston with Paul Coldieri, a badass motherfucker who has worked with Pixies, Hole, Dinosaur jr and many more ridiculously good bands we figure any so man good. who both produce piebalds we are the only friends that we have and mixed radio heads the bands is a man worth not only bowing down to, but recording some songs with. We plan on laying down but a, fle but a fleeting illness again. And now I'm not afraid to kill. 
Yellow Cat slash Red Cat. One more song, possibly the presidential suite. We're going to compare those to the demos we produced with Paul Trust of Sunday Driver in Florida, some of which will be posted within a week. We have some cool news about upcoming releases. We have at least three releases planned for the rest of the year and maybe more. Our full length tentatively titled Zona Zona. Well, I guess this is after you signed a doghouse. We'll be out yeah, by the end right of the year after. on Doghouse Records, most likely in the fall. We'll also be releasing an acoustic seven inch in June on ECA Records, Dave from Doghouse's own and Census Fails old label, entitled Belt, after a song that will appear on both a seven inch and our full length CD, and a split CD with a TBA band on Big Wheel Recreation Doghouse. I always thought that it was hilarious at the end of the acoustic version of Belt, you y'all. ECA Records sucks. Oh, yeah. Doghouse yeah. Records sucks. Fuck this budget production i should have signed to a major label because eca records sucks and doghouse records sucks you are fuck this fuck god Okay, yes. it goes on. An additional EP it was may very also very tenacious D. You know, <laughs> I worked with them. They're they're great guys. Oh my An god. additional they're EP may also be released featuring lo-fi recordings of some songs. I assume this is what eventually became Was a Real Boy of some songs yeah, that won't appear on the probably. record. Probably. I've been writing countless new songs over the past month to round out the first record, and they're getting weirder and crazier by the day. I hope you all don't stop listening to my music now that I have gone completely nuts. They're still catchy, but be warned. If not I only knew. <laughs> oh, you hadn't even gone to New York to not, record that. Not even gone nuts. Like, nor found out that they. That is why people would listen more to my music. Okay, so this <laughs> is wow. That's ins you were really like travel. This is after high school. You must have already dropped out of Sarah Lawrence at this point. Did you? Drop oh, yeah, out? I was like couch surfing, and and um, you know, I was living on my friend like living at my friend's house, I kind of would drift back to my parents at times and kind of get kicked out <laughs> and then like, you know, go live with a different friend. And I was very much so the only kid I knew who was doing this too. You know, most of my friends were like, you know, going to USC and like doing very well. <laughs> and, you know, and it was cool though, because when it, when it, when it went well, you know, I was the first sort of maybe besides Jonah, you know, like one of the first people who who like actually had a career when my friends were still in college. So it, and now the roles are reversed and I'm like a man child and they're all like literally like high powered lawyers. And I'm like, hi, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the time, like you you really didn't. I mean, you had released a bunch of unreleased music on like mp3.com and like mm -hmm. I, I, and you had baseball self-release. But like, mm -hmm. how are you getting put on shows with like Rilo Kylie and Kaven and stuff? Like who did yeah, you- Yeah, that's a good question. Kaven came, I think, when we first actually got our booking agent, Andrew. Andrew um, Ellis. And yeah, exactly. And he's amazing. He's still he's still my booking agent. He drives me fucking insane, but he's cool. And then um, but 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 something corporate came about, I think, because just someone saw us play you know what i mean it was like there was there was a major label buzz like for our band because we there was for every one of those bands you know what i mean like because we were playing with the like and playing with time, Rooney, yeah. yeah it was a very weird time like it was even different than you know how every it, it was related to the fact that you know so many bands um 
were getting scooped from indies. So like, for instance, like, you know, when we were signing to Doghouse, well, it was like- Saves a Day and Dreamy World were on DreamWorks records. Exactly, the every, it was happening to everyone. You know, so so that was a part of you know us signing to Doghouse was that there were already kind of major labels looking at us. But I will say that you know in LA it's a whole other thing. That's just more like, as you know, you know, just like A and R people go out. That's what they do. They just go to these same clubs that we played at, and because you know the Roxy was like up the street from me, so it's like it wasn't necessarily that I even knew that the Roxy was like some kind of cheesy rock god place or that the sunset strip was like this like we just want to get there and play the strip and get discovered like i was just like there was some elements to that like we would get excited when there was like an a and r guy famously like the drummer of smash mouth came to our first show <laughs> and i remember we were like outside like whoa like and he was like talking to us about our potential and shit <laughs> and i'm like whoa um and uh but so like there was that but like really we wanted to just play shows and be like the bands that we looked up to which were these east coast kind of scrappy indie rock bands you know so for them getting looked at by major labels was this giant big deal and also very surreal for us it was the opposite like when we would get to open for the promise ring like we had a manager in in high school who was Ooh. really who was the is, this isn't rama rama mayo is it? no he can't rama was like the guy who introduced me to the actual scene like he he 100 percent introduced me to piebald um and just all these various characters that basically were transplants from the east coast that moved to la and i was kind of like the little bro of these people because i was from la and i had oh, a kind of so world I weariness actually wanted to ask you about some of the people that you were hanging out with in la yeah. like jeremy yeah. weiss and Aaron Farley. Exactly. Yeah. Because Travis, Travis from Piebald was on there. Chris was yeah. on there. Yeah. Um, Annie Hardy from Giant Drag was a, yeah. a host yep. on that She's show. She's still a friend of so, mine. Rama like introducing yes. you to these people and like yeah exactly another, he was a part of that another you know, thing like that, that yeah I, I was gonna bring it up so at the time like for listeners who aren't aware before Pitchfork before Vice Buddy Head really was like the destination on the internet they're still better they're still better like I still when you go back and read it it's so much more hardcore than like Pitchfork oh my know, god it's, it's incredible what they what Travis yeah, yeah. did but yeah. I mean, there there was like a little bit of tension between him and say anything. I remember when Casper joined. It was uh, joking though. It was it was it, it was, was joking. Okay. Yeah, like okay, like, like he he did that to like everyone. You had to be like literally Mark Lanigan or something for him not to just or, be yeah, like or Liam gay. Gallagher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, like he it, you know, but he was really sweet and nice to me in person. We hung out several times and now i still talk to him occasionally and he's a, a a really good dude that's what's funny about him like there were other guys in that 
camp that were scary and weird and you know like it's he's funny a little he's scary. become like on instagram like a sort of leftist meme meme yeah, yeah exactly he's like, like viral. a friendly dad like in a way you know like he's like very emblematic of that generation um of his generation but in a good way because like i feel like i had more in common artistically with what they were almost i've told him this but they were like an influence on stuff oh, like i mean you like like the icarus line and the stuff that they were releasing yes Really yeah, cool. it was, but it was even the mentality. It was the mentality of taking a piss out of emo, you know, that I, I think I was very annoyed and aggravated with the diminishing, especially given that Travis himself is an emo kid who grew disenfranchised with emo. So he's, he's very much so emblematic of that generation of people who, you know, went to go see you know, uh, converge all the time. And then when it started to become popular, got really bummed and then just became like into like, you know, weird sludge rock. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. very, and, and they've all, you see them all go down this fucking path. Just like, I'm sure they look at my generation and they're like, look at these fucking kids doing this. So I was looking at the sort they were like the big brother generation, sort of like how I'd even look at, you know, saves a day or piebald. And these were my favorite bands. They were like the Beatles and the stones, those two bands to me, you know, but at the same time, I was also taking apart every choice they made and criticizing it in my head while also totally understanding and, and respecting their choices. Uh, you know, I was like, I wouldn't have signed to DreamWorks. You know what I mean? Or if, you know, if, if I would have signed to a major label, I would have had a different single and, and I wouldn't have cared so much what people thought of me or, or, you know what I mean? Like I would have either gone full on, you know, the Beatles making my music sound like the Beatles and then not retreated from it or not do that in the first place. You know, I would have worked with Jerry Finn instead of this guy. And so I'd be watching and not from a place, like I always ended up loving their decisions though you know what i mean like for instance you know in reverie but but by, by saves a day you one know, of the like, one of their best light beams through windows streams into my eyes explodes like red balloons as it reminds me of you so I have yeah, a poster of, of it hanging up, up, up. Oh, that's amazing. So, so like, you know, yeah. Like if you would have asked me as a fan, what I would have done after stay what you are, it's like go in with Jerry Finn and make like a giant fucking Foo Fighters type record yeah. and be the biggest band in the world. But you they know, went in and I did like done. a sort of cerebral Beatles, John Lennon-esque. Like. Exactly. Exactly. And no one got it, but I got it. Like yeah. I was like, I fucking get it. Cause I'm like a student of this band. So I totally get why these guys from New Jersey were turned off by the fan machine and we're like they did more like what the beatles actually did which is become weirdos because they were Start smoking off. a lot more weed <laughs> yeah go to hell yeah, and, and, and so and it's just like you can't catch lightning in a bottle twice so like that already happened so it didn't necessarily translate to commercial success but like you if if you would sit down chris and tell him and now i think he gets it but for many years like he didn't get that there were people like us who fully understood who got it who 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 um because so much is shoved in your face uh, of, of 
whether something sells or not. And if unless you can have a sort of discerning ear and see past whether something's cool or whether it sells a lot to just, do you like it? Do you see the intention? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Chris has like talked about having that's trying to struggling with turning off that self editor in his head. Of course, but I have it too. It's just that I'm really aware of it being what it is, you know? And I think that I struggle with it knowing that it's bullshit, you know, like in a utopian world, we wouldn't have this self-editor, you know, I, it, as much. I think yeah. I think morally it's really important and valid, but when it comes to art, there should be no really hey, like a self, I'm you know, not you in that. a negative sense. Yeah, you know, like, I mean, it's one thing if you're doing it intentionally and therefore you have like a burst of inspiration, you're like, I don't like this, I'm gonna start again. But not like, I'm a hack, I'm a failure, you know, these things I think you said before, know. like, if you were writing something and somebody asked you, like, why aren't you gonna write it down? And you said, if it's it's good enough i'll remember it <laughs> yeah and and i you know it's funny i actually learned that from uh because i used to give myself shit like i'd forget things and i'd be like Fuck. well you, you're a big user of the voice memo voice notes big app, right? user of the voice memo and i'm a big you know i love demoing things and i'll go in and just fucking demo shit um especially in high school you know when i had my little like thing that i did baseball on which was like a digital eight track so is with, that like, what jews versus cops studios is yeah, it's just me, you know, in my room, <laughs> smoking weed, and then you know, using the fucking. It was what a digital eight track. Was did Co did uh, Kobe record mm -hmm. drums separately, yeah. and then you like just added it overdubbed into the mix? over it without um, being able to go back and kind of edit. And the only way I could edit hey, you it, you did was, a good job. For I mean, I, what were you using at you. the time? Like it was, it was a digital eight track that had cheesy amp sounds in it. Oh, so yeah. that's what is that? We recorded like all the other uh, songs yeah. with program drums that he isn't yes. drumming on, and the and the program drums were played by hand, maybe to a click, um, <laughs> but by hand of finger drums on a uh, piano that we had in our room. that had like a cheese, it was like one of those- Like a know, MIDI controller? Uh, yeah, not even. Like it was like one of those things that you'd see in like Shul where like, you know, you could turn on to the organ <laughs> sound and then you turn on to the- Those things are know, awesome. And so there was a drum one. And so I put it on drums and go pop, 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 And I had to, and I'm still kind of good at doing it that way. So like, you know, I tend to do drums like There's that. There's some of demos. that on the new record, isn't there? I think oh, yeah, I, of course, yeah. of course, on every record, you know, like Hebrews, uh, especially like, well, there's no guitars I, on it, right? There's no guitar. So basically that whole thing was just me doing that and then replacing it with real instruments. So, you know, um, I would just, all those songs kind of sounded the same, but not as good. I, I you know, I did it on logic and I just laid out. So I'd play all those drum parts like that. Do, ba -da -ba -do, and, and the parallels between it. you and Kanye are pretty remarkable. It is. It's really funny. I feel like he's like, um, like a like a uh, weird opposite me. You know, he's like Bizarro me. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about. I don't know. Like he was on Brady Sinellis when they were talking about um, the Jetsons because Kanye wants to do it. And from kind of confusion, pain, and creating art as a way of figuring 
stuff out about yourself. Jesus is definitely paying frustration, slaves, creativity. Right. It was like, what can I do or say that I just want to say? And how do I fucking deliver that at the highest level? Like nothing matters. Um, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You listen to that? Yeah. So I know that okay, you have Brett Easton Ellis. I got to give you something from that. School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. On, yeah, so, on, yes, but. I was wondering because I know that him. when you were making that record, when you met him, that was around the time that he went up to Brett Easton Ellis's place and talked about doing the Unsurprising, Jetsons. unsurprising. But also the guy who's with him on that podcast is That's, the guy who broke up Say Anything. Okay, so uh, another thing that you've been doing recently is the Mental Academy with Max and Beam. Yeah. This is your podcast. You put out two episodes. Hopefully, there'll be more in the future. Thank you. I'm you so talked glad you listened a to little me, bit about it in a video that I don't even think was part of that. But um, no, it was just I needed to say something. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, people listening, we, we we're not going to go into it right now, but it's a very important uh, moment in the history of the band. Say anything. So if you want to really learn is. about what this guy did listen yep. to max it's on youtube so let's yeah. go back to doghouse for a second all american rejects get up kids limbeck kofax it didn't i mean it seemed it seemed like a better fit that than drive through to be honest totally, for the totally. band at the time especially when i heard israel boy before i that's heard, awesome before i heard the record and saw that you signed to them it sort of made sense but then i heard yeah, it and totally it a lot of sense. And, and, and and honestly like they started out as, you know, a pretty traditional hardcore and emo, uh, you know, label. But by the time I got and and I would have signed to them no matter what, just because they put out the Get Up Kids first couple of things. So I yeah. like. That's what I was in it for. But by the time I kind of got to them, they signed Limbeck. They did All American Rejects. I remember being taken to like an All American Rejects show with like Camp Kill Yourself. Oh like my that's God. The, that. so CK like that, that's how weird the Rejects could have just been like one of these bands. You know, are, like they they're from. Are, is that's a Boston label or is it New York? Uh, they're from Ohio. I think oh, weird. Yeah. But, but, but they had a Boston branch that like, like a lot of those bands cert, like our labels had a kind of like conglomerate in Boston that they, it had a certain name, but it was like big wheel Hydra head uh, and blah, blah, blah. They all kind of converged in Boston. No pun intended. And they, <laughs> but then they all migrated to LA and they, that same office where all those labels, you know, were together had an office that Rama and uh, Dirk and all those people worked together. And, and that did cross over as we were saying with like the buddy head world, like basically they were all these people from small towns and from the East coast who migrated to and Jersey who migrated to LA and therefore were kind of having fun and fucking with the system there. They're like walking, but they were also very in awe of it. That's the part that they weren't necessarily at. I'm sure you could tell as someone from here that like, if you read buddy head, like he, he hates it, but he also loves it. You know what oh, I yeah. mean? Like he's like, he's like, I fucking met, you know, the, the, 
the drummer of Zeppelin's daughter. Like it was rad. I'm like, okay, whoopty shit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it's cool, but it's not that cool. In fact, it's kind of boring and it turns me off because like I'm sick of meeting people's kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, so so I think I I was interesting to them for 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 that reason because I was such a dorky fan of like piebald that you know or or saves a day or whatever the get up kids and i knew every fact about all these records and they hadn't and yet i was coming from this sort of what they saw as like a very exclusive society which i guess it is but they, they made a lot of right. they made a lot of money from all american rejects i mean that band was like yeah. pretty freaking well, They were huge and it really set up, you know, again, I signed because of the get up kids uh, initially, and then I got to know them and they're amazing people also. But I will say that like, that was my draw, but a lot of people were interested in them because of the rejects and because they did some huge major label deal for the rejects. So I still had the red hot chili peppers lawyer guy at that point. I've had, I had him most of my career and the people who were on my side who wanted you know, the same thing I did, which was for the band to be big, uh, but also were very knew more about it than I did, you know, because I, I wanted to go about it in a very organic punk rock way. Yeah. And then there were people who who knew what the right major like to know what major label to sign to you at different times is a very weird thing. They're like, yeah, RCA is really cooking right now. I'm like, who the fuck cares? Like, they're <laughs> all the same. Yeah, they're but all the same. Also, you know, like. like what does that have to they're cooking because alicia keys like right, it doesn't exactly, have to do exactly, with you exactly Like it was so um, random that we signed to J Records, but also not that uncool. Yeah, Neither I was, gonna, was it cool or uncool? I was going to tell you, random. I'm actually working with Matt Shea right now. I was looking in the liners Wait, for on In what? Defense. On what? On what? Uh, one of his projects that he's managing. They're called Illiterate Light. Um, That's amazing. So you do publicity? Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Please I don't... send my love to him. He's like, I my absolutely uncle. 100% will. Yeah, um, he's like my big bro, basically, so you know. Back to Israel Boy. The story is, so you, you you sign, I don't know what the advance was. We don't have to talk about the money, but you're going there. You picked Tim O'Hare. Yeah. Steve, I don't know if Stephen well, Trask. There was no, I will say there wasn't a big advance. You know, it was big for indie label-ish because they really even big for an 18 year old kid like yeah exactly exactly who wears like the bands that were eight when they were 18 the get up kids were having to scrape together you know from day jobs yeah to to get like two days in the studio and i got like two months you know with tim o'hare and they knew i guess rightly so which is cool but like i didn't even at the time assume i was going to accomplish what i wanted i just thought there's a good chance and I believe in myself, but it's a crap shoot. You know, like the entertainment industry is a crap shoot. I just have to do my best to create something really individualistic. Yeah. So, th but they saw it. They saw that because they and had you, just done you had, And you also had like a fully, like, I don't know how you were making these demos, but the demos for Israel Boy are like, they sound like lower fidelity, 
but like no we put, we we drove uh, the guy who, who uh produced it i'm sorry is uh forest from hello goodbye Klein and he's on yep. uh we will erase all our on life yeah so that's from, why because he was rec he, rec he recorded another drive-through connection we will erase all life on earth but us so we don't front like you've not heard of us we will erase all life on earth but us we will erase I yep, went to the we... Israel Boy record release show and Hello Goodbye open. Dear Jamie, I've got a letter I would like to send. I think that's when did, Alex can joined. Was, what Sanity. was that? Was it? Was it? It was at the CBGB's? Knitting Factory. Knitting Factory. Okay, that's you know, awesome. Yeah, Knitting Factory was where we played constantly. You know, um, it was more there even than like Troubadour. Well, like, I didn't realize that Forest. Uh, produced all the demos yeah. for the record. He, he did, did a great and, job and with us. He did amazing, and but also we were a nightmare. Like we we were so OCD, but then also stoned and well, laughing isn't he the whole time. Too? It doesn't he like notoriously have like bad ADD. Oh wait, who <laughs> Kobe? No, uh, Forrest. I I wish maybe <laughs> because like all I know is he was on it. He was OCD as fuck and just you know sitting there and it was the first time like where we were like you know he was like the square. And by the way like <laughs> Forrest is an amazing now he's kind of like let loose and kind oh, of a he's great. character. He's an amazing guy. But at the time he was a lot more like wound up and we were like fucking a nightmare. So like basically like we were nice, like in fact, to the point where I was like so codependent and worried what he thought of me. And, it, you know, were we being too asking for too much? So I'm like, can we just do that overdub? But like, you know, that's what it was, was that we wanted it to sound as good as the record so that we could play it for people and they would be psyched. And we more than anything, so we could listen to it ourselves and be psyched. Because so we when just you went not... in with Tim O'Hare and you only had two months to do it, you pretty much just showed him this and you're like, look, let's try and like, just make this sound bigger, yeah. a little bit yes. cleaner. And like, well, I yeah, know let's let's make it like huge was basically, you know, what what we wanted, you know, not huge in the sense of like, like everything. Which Vigit. Exactly. Yeah. Our, our, you know, our things were always in the band. Like... Wow. Hi. Hello, Charles. That's, she comes in and she goes, this is not Oliver Tree. But she looks at the at the TV. <laughs> They're obsessed with Oliver Tree. I know. You know Charlie, is? Charlie, I saw your drawing of Oliver Tree. It's really good. Thank you. You're welcome. He dresses like him. <laughs> and then Alice is a big fan of Oliver Tree. Hi, Alice. It's all wet. Huh? Okay. Guys, <laughs> I'm doing this interview so you can hang out in here, but you have to be quiet or you can leave. You want to hang out here? But you have to be quiet. Is that chill? Okay. That's not going to happen, but it's cool. <laughs> it's all good. Um... <laughs> uh, like, okay, so you're recording it. This is when you have your first major bipolar episode. I know that, yep. that you, you talked about in interviews before that 
at the time that you're recording it, there was somewhat of like a a video element to the recording process. Yeah, it wasn't. Thought- it goes so. It's like it really was. It was not just that. It was just that the concept of the record was so meta. You know, like like it was. <laughs> you basically it, wrote yourself into, into insanity. Yes, like there's still times where I look back and I'm like, was I even manic? Because almost anyone. Or was I just high as fuck? Because like anyone who, um, you know, w- was going through what I was going through, the amount of sort of attention placed on this young kid being put in like this very um, spotlit position behind the scenes where- It's they- a lot. Oh. I mean, you were so young for that type of pressure to be on you. Exactly. And I was definitely manic. But I will say there are times <laughs> where it's so um, easy for me to go back and- and uh relate to how i felt and it isn't always the the manic element because i haven't been manic in so long it's hard for me to wrap my mind around hey guys remember um it's hard for me to wrap my mind around feeling like i am jesus christ literally you know what i mean like i'm like max come on you could do better than that like main character syndrome right exactly but like that part the more meta you look at it the more it's true. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's very kind of true. And the more that you get into that way of thinking, we all could look at life that way. You know, yeah, I heard, all well, you, well, because, but the video element added like a Truman yes, show aspect the fact to that it. it. The fact that it was like a, a spinal tap, you know, it yeah, was supposed so to be like, is there any footage of that remaining anywhere? No, like, there that was, was no, there, I don't think it was ever videotaped, but there was a script. There was, there was a script okay. being written. I always thought that it would make yeah. such a great, like, musical or like thank you yeah i still sometimes you know because because now that i'm getting into writing i really sometimes do go back and i'm like you know it just depends on how things work out you know because it's the 20th anniversary of israel boy in a a year or two so you know who knows like if there's some weird resurgence or something i would certainly be open to it um you know and i think it would be funny because at this point it would almost be like the wedding singer because it's like 20 years ago, that was what was cool. But, but you know, at the time it well, was still meta. I but, mean, but like now you it, could at the, I think like a few years later, there was the American Idiot musical. I mean, but this exactly. was written, written as a rock opera. Well, that's so why, was that. That's like, why I, I, I kind of canceled that idea because of American Idiot. I was like, I can't, you know, like I need to make this shine as an actual album. Yeah. And if it has a concept driving it, that's cool. But like, you know, I was going to take that as far as it could fucking go. Like, you know, see if we could get a fucking movie made and all cool. that stuff. Uh, so, like, I think Joel told me at the time that Stephen mm-hmm. Trask didn't really contribute much. I know that he plays a little bit of piano on it. Yeah, Th- he was- didn't. He contributed, first of all, vibe-wise, a lot. You oh, know what I mean? like, that's that's important then. Yeah, if, vibe-wise, you know, we did a lot of it at his house. Um, he did help write you know, with, with, with little chord changes and and little structural changes, a lot of the stuff that producers do, but Tim, um, slaved away on that album. You know what I mean? Cause he, it was basically because there were no amps, you know, we did the, the drums in a studio, but then it was straight up like four months at least of me and Tim just holed up in his small apartment in Williamsburg and me going nuts and Kobe sleeping on the floor. And we're just trying to craft this thing that sounds like night at the opera.
And he, you know, because I wasn't involved in engineering, he had to, you know, to be fair, it was a little easy. Like now looking at it, you know, now that I'm like close to his age at the time. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah. Like maybe a little younger, but still now that is kind of what I'm doing. You know, I use logic to emulate amps and it is fun and pretty easy, but it's more about the scope of the ambition and how, how detail oriented I was, but also he was like, it's, it wasn't like me punishing some poor forest Klein guy who just wanted to get home. Tim was in there. Tim kind of put that idea in my head. He's like, don't settle for being the next saves a day. You need to be the next David Bowie. Okay, so Ariel Rashad was involved as well, wasn't he? Like he how was, and he he was involved because we um we were we basically after we signed to J Records, they wanted to make essentially a deluxe. So you that's know, where was a real boy comes in. That's where was a real boy. That was just demos for like what we tried to uh, <laughs> make into a charity record, and then they took it yeah. and. And and I very selfishly and lazily that's, was like, okay. Yeah, that's the <laughs> lyric. If I give to charity, they'll all know it's a plea from someone like me. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And if I claim revolutionary, or I give to charity, they'll all know it's a plea for someone like me. Okay, well, one um, thing I wanted to mention about Ariel is that he's gone on to become quite a prolific producer. He's insane. won Grammys for his work with Vampire Weekend and Haim. Yes. Um, I actually like back at this time, 2003, 2004, I was on the message board on the say anything website and SD Heim was on, on it too. Yeah, see, they're, they're so nice. Like they still, I've, I've sort of chatted with them on Instagram a couple of times. They're like, we would go to every show. <laughs> I would see them at in the, the front row. Yeah. And because they're really what we had a big, like Jewish we were like the sort of local Jewish band, you I know, mean, because you were the like, like the the camp band of Ramon, yeah, exactly, too. which is such a cool thing because, like, for me, you know, Phantom Planet was the school band, you know, like when we, you know, like we basically even Rooney looked up to them and we were just like, you can do this, you know, like there's people that we know who can do this. So the fact that we could do that for you know Camp Ramon, like that's great, you know, like <laughs> if we got some people there thinking about this kind of stuff. And Kobe went to um, Shell Havet yeah. High School. Um, yeah. So it was a very Jewish high school. And so like all the Shell Havet kids would come see us play. So it was this very Jewish, you know, even, even the like windward, you know, there's a lot of Jewish kids to begin with in those schools, but you know, so like, you know, it was just not even coincidentally, you know, half the people there were already Jewish, but it was a funny thing that yeah. it was, how did, how did the gang vocals come about? Some of the some of my favorite people are on it. Thank Carrick, Carrick Morgarity from everybody else. That my jacket is on, can leave when I want. Both only I be nailed to the spot. That band's awesome. Aaron, <laughs> yeah, Jared, they're so good. Yeah. Um, one of my counselors at Camper Mob, Zach Israel, is in the gang vocals. <laughs> Zach was your counselor? Yeah. You know, he's one of my best, like, like when we looked, our group of friends was like me, Josh Salton, the guy who's on the yeah. cover of I Don't Think It Is. There's a guy, Rylan, who directed 666 video. There's this guy, Mike Auerbach. Oh, my who, God. I uh, forgot to talk about the new Evermore video. It's great. I love that you wear oh, a tallest. You. 
You get blood oh, yeah. on it, but oh, yeah. I mean, happy Yom <laughs> Kippur. Definitely sacrilegious as anything I've ever done. Um, but uh, yeah, no, like, so so that was our group. Like, Zach Israel was like, me and him once stayed. Like, I was a fucking crazy man. Like, I, it, you know, it, as a teenager. And we stayed with, like, some really annoying Jewish family in Israel. Like, we went to Israel together. Hey. And um, we literally, I think, peed on stuff in their basement. Like, we went into their basement and peed in random a bomb shelter. Probably. And, like, we soiled it and sullied it. And it was terrible. Some of the stuff I did then is definitely, like, objectively the worst shit I've ever done. But I give myself a lot more shit for, like, you know, like, making out with a girl in college and not talking to her again. You know, like I hate that. But then I look back and I'm like, if someone went into my basement and just pissed on everything in it, like that's demonic. Like what the fuck was I thinking? All right. So yeah. this is a pretty heady one in belt. The lyric past the pyramids and the Liberty bell. Is this a metaphor about transcending the bondage of the pyramids represented by the pyramids and, and freedom transcending both bondage and freedom represented by the Liberty bell. To something beyond those two things. It's wow. themed so, similarly so explored later on Hebrews in the song Push a little bit. Push, 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 Yeah, yes. I mean, I it was intended to be that way, but the literalism of it being the pyramids and slavery, like I wasn't even thinking that deeply about it. But I will say a lot of my sort of deepest, quote unquote, I'm making air quotes, um, <laughs> lyrics are very stream of consciousness and come out of me. And if they are deep, then Oh, it's like, yeah, it's the muse. It's yeah. It's yeah, the muse definitely did that. And and I could see, you know, like um like oftentimes people thought that, you know, uh, you know, the bridge of woe was about cocaine, you know, with um, like uh, the smelling California and all that stuff. Oh. And out of my body, up through the palm trees to smell California in sweet hypocrisy. Um, and, and it kind of works like that works really well. And it's something that I would do more intentionally now, like now that I listen, like almost exclusively to hip hop and I wouldn't say completely exclusively. I still, there's about 25% there where I listen to the same shit that I, I was going to ask you actually about the new record. Are you a mm -hmm. new Frank ocean convert? Cause I saw that you posted pink and white. I, I like, mean, I'm I've, I've been like a, a sort of Wolfgang fan from the jump, but like, you know, like I think I had a sort of skepticism because he was like being his first solo material. I had heard it. I'm like, this is fucking amazing. This guy, this kid's a genius. Yeah. But then I never like, there was some jealousy. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> like whenever I hear, when someone I hear blonde, the blonde record is like a very, like it's, it sounds like something you could have written. <laughs> Thank you. That's one of the nicest things anyone's ever said. I thought that I was dreaming when you said you loved me. The start of nothing. I had no chance to prepare. I couldn't see you coming. 
Um, but yeah, no, I am that way with people who remind me of myself or, or more so like thing doing things like even Tyler, the creator, I think at first, you know, when I started reading about him on like pitchfork, I'm like, fuck, Oh God, I don't want to hear it. It's going to be better than me. I'm a fucking walking paradox. No, I'm not. Threesomes with a fucking triceratops. Reptar, rapping as I'm mocking deaf rock stars. Wearing synthetic wigs made of Anwar's dreadlock. You and know what? You actually called that in an interview one time. They were talking about, like, what do you think, like, the next big thing from L.A. could be? And you were like, it would have to be something so fucking weird to stand out, <laughs> to come out of L.A. Yeah, to break yeah. through. And it ended up being Odd Future. It's just yeah. interesting. That, so Thank you. There's an apocryphal yeah. story about Clive Davis attending a Say Anything show. Is this true? And he offered you, offered a I sign? Think I think it's possible he might have seen us live. I think I think I he, he must have. Um, but it was actually even crazier than that, is that I went and auditioned for him as a person, like on a piano that Alicia Keys had Wow. on the same thing. right from richard yeah. and stephanie to Clive. yeah Davis. it was exactly but but similarly weird like it just even you know the, for me at the time playing for richard and stephanie was as surreal because i had no connections to the music industry or the scene whatsoever i was literally just a kid who went to shows sometimes not even much you know i wasn't like much like you know like i went to some shows but i wasn't i was like you know, I didn't dress cool or anything. Like I literally just went and walked in and, you know, probably heard newfound glory for the first time that day. You know, I really was just trying to emulate like bands like Lagwagon and, you know, like the West coast sort of hardcore pop bands, you know, epitaph fat records. And because it was acoustic, it was emo. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't. It, <laughs> That's all it took. Like, yeah. Yeah, it really was. Cause it just sounded like someone even said, they're like, it's like, we have this new kid. I think what they said, their pitch was like, we have this new kid. It's blink, but it's acoustic. You know what I mean? And that's what it was. And blink, but acoustic. yeah. And it was kind of like that, you know? And I think it's, it's in a way when you distill what was appealing about emo in general, it kind of is that it's yeah. just that it had that, intensity of those punk bands pop punk bands and the cashiness but then a very personal street to it and i think you know yeah okay so i skipped over in defense i want to talk about it for a second i I talked to andy jackson for a little bit oh, that's I, so cool. i'm curious about like the like getting like what the process was like when you were recording and getting the guests to be on it he told me a story that actually it's on the recording anthony ranieri took a bong rip and blew it out before he sang his part that's amazing i'm, I'm wondering because i know like i've seen pictures of like Haley Williams in the bus with Andy on Warp Tour recording her yeah. parts for Church Channel. So and Plea, amazing, like... you know what I mean? Like I look back at that and I'm like, how cool was it? Just it, like it is what I wanted. Man, was it, it was just you would send him what you had recorded yeah, with we Brad. Would, I think and... I would I would do like a scratch vocal of the part, um, and then I'm like, who's around? You know what I mean? Like who's there? 
And wow, so it was, it was just, literally just open ended, like an open invite to kind some of. degree. But I think it was just a, it was coincidental because those are the people I would have asked anyway. Yeah. You know, it was just like Hot Rod's there, Paramore's there, and and we would think of them, and it's like, yeah, they're there. You know, um, Chad was there, uh, Jordan, Newfound Glory, like everyone was just around. Um, and then the people who weren't on Warp Tour, you know, it was like Anthony Green and and Dior um, and Anna Wonker. I worked with that well, dog. Those too. people, like that, was like a that, get for well, me. So. Like I'm sure that you you had your choice after Israel Boy to some going, degree. Like, to some degree, I, I'm sure like you're a fan of Liz Fair, but I'm I'm yes. like you went with Brad because of for, sunny, sunny Day. day. Yeah, of course. Without you, yeah, exactly. So so you know I feel like we were just sitting around and he would be talking about his experiences. Cause I was a, a big fan of Pete Yorn, you know, and and a huge that dog fan, and you know so like. It, those things were more, you know, through Brad, obviously, and yeah. um, and and outliers too, stylistically a little bit. So we were like, we made a list of people. I remember sitting with Shay um, at like a restaurant, you know, down the street from Electric Lady where we did the record, which is like Jimi Hendrix's studio that he has in this amazing place. And the list was insane because Matt is like also really highly ambitious like me. And he's yeah. always been. So really you're, kind yeah, of you're it. like, I want Dave Grohl on. This. Really, really. I'm sure Grohl was on there. Like, and, you know, it was it was like, you know, Scott Weiland or something, you know, like <laughs> because we went from, you know, we'd go from like Rivers to Scott Weiland. Like, you know, like there's a, there's a it's it connects too closely. It's weird how you can go from, you know, Matt from the Get Up Kids to Rivers to Scott Weiland. It's like, you know, that that's like a Kevin Bacon game that's not that hard to achieve, really. Or from me to Tom York, like you can even like go from people that they produce this record and he toured with that band and you get to like a limb back from like Sigur Rós, you know, like it's very... <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, I love that record. I, I love. I, I mean, Melancholy was sort of like the the prototype for the yes. like the double LP. That yeah, and I was never was. obsessed with Melancholy. Like, I really got into it a little bit later. Um, uh, in fact, yeah, you like got into you like Ex Machina or Ma Mach Machina yeah, too. Yeah, like right? that was my big big record for them. Uh, and Adore, you know, which is ironic, you know, because they pretty much felt like they failed or whatever making a door and but that was also brad worked on that record oh wow a door mm -hmm. and we you know had all these good, good corgan stories and shit. Oh, i'm sure billy was on the <laughs> list too. and and um you know so but 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 those 90s bands definitely were like thematically and and sort of like uh like the weird muses for the whole thing. It was basically going, you know, I could see how fallout boy and all this stuff is kind of going in this very like post pop punk with a little bit of r&b well thing. that's why is that why you went to avron after in defense 
Yeah. Yeah. I, well, yeah, exactly. Then we're kind of, we were kind of willing to play ball a little bit more, but also Avron did like ever clear so much for the afterglow. Oh, and such stuff a good like record. That. Father of mine, tell me where have you been? You know, I just closed my eyes. My whole world is up here. Father of mine, take me back to the day. Yeah. When I was still your golden boy, back before you, the best. And so like we knew he had like the vocabulary and he did like newfound glory and yellow card and stuff like that too. So it's like, he didn't just kind of pop into it with fallout boy, you know, but at the same time, he, I kind of trusted him to have uh, almost a vocabulary sonically that I didn't because I did like fallout boy and I did listen to them a little, but like my, you know, I was always going to make him skew more towards like, you know, I was like, make it like no doubt. You know, make it like those big 90s records that are just like undeniably catchy, but then sound really good sonically, but they're dirty at times, you know. You know, it was it was sort of a Jerry Finn thing, you know, trying to do yeah. that. Um, another thing that you put out recently, you've worked with Rob Schnaff before. Um, you posted a cover, but it's not yeah. really a straight cover. It's like a yeah. mix of an Amy, Amy Mann song from Magnolia. And yeah. Elliot Smith's Angelus. Um, yeah. That you in the band camp, it says it's an old demo. When exactly did you work with him or when did you record that? Was that that recent? was not made with Rob, but it was it was like inspired by him because I keep almost working with him. It you got to do demo. it. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I really still want to. I, man, I mean, it's you never know. Um, and but I will say, like, you know. It, yeah he's incredible like we he was one of the people i dorked out the most over just meeting for five seconds you know uh like looking at i remember meeting him with avron because we looked at his studio, studio as a potential studio yeah. it's and he has this house, amazing right? studio it's yeah at the time at, uh at the time it was um he has like a place in eagle rock that's like just like a dedicated that's where I am right now <laughs> nice yeah yeah and it's it's like it's not a, a home, but it's it's more like a rehearsal space that he's converted into a studio that has all these like insane vintage mellotrons lying around and shit, you know, as you would imagine. Yeah, um, that was one thing that like I always thought was cool about In Defense is, I mean, Israel Boys like a straight up like rock band. There aren't too many like out of the pocket instruments no, yeah, but on in defense in at electric lady you did have access to certain instruments that you wouldn't normally have access totally. to and like and going it was on... the beginning of of samples and and midi starting to be sound like real oh, so like yeah. you know the strings in plea that i kind of forget are there you know like 
are fake, but they sound fucking real because before that you would have emo bands using fake strings and it would sound like the Juliana theory when they like would bring in, you know, like, and I love the Juliana theory, but it was like very, it was, it was very fake sounding strings or, or like whatever instrumentation and on in defense, you know, Brad was really good. So there was a, there was some analog instruments and, you know, we use real pianos and weird analog keyboards and stuff like that. But like when it comes to, you know, we would have like a weird gong hit or like, you know, the person throwing up in hangover song. And that was just him like, you know, going into his sample library. And now as a producer, you know, for instance, making uh, Maxim Mental, like that was literally what that entire record is, is just sampling and taking weird little parts, speeding them up Kanye style. And yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I mean, even as the discography goes goes into the future i mean don't you play a mandolin on peace out or i'm not a mandolin yeah, yeah, what is yeah. Uh, i actually didn't play that uh but but we had a guy come in and do that crazy i forget the name of the instrument but it's insane And um, I actually did teach myself um, for one of those songs. Oh, Anarchy, my Anarchy, my dear, the song I learned like a pedal steel ish thing. I think it was actually a pedal steel on that song that I I'd never played. And we put it in front of me and I was like, and then we just comped it. Okay. Um, Um, Like Matt was there when we did that, actually. Shay was in the studio and he was like, how are you just learning this thing? And I remember being <laughs> like, is this good? Is this, am I good for being able to do this? Like he's, he always manages to make me feel really like I'm talented. <laughs> um, so. Hey, I know this has been going on for a long time. Uh, no, this we, is like one of the best ever, man. This okay, is tight. Cool. Um, I wanted to talk to chill. you. I would love to chill. I would absolutely yeah. love to. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit. I mean, we have polarity. We have Lucy dreaming. We have mm-hmm. um, a few issues of heavy metal. I think <laughs> uh, we're getting you, there. You, you're working on something right now. Is um, mm-hmm. did I imagine something to do with Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Is that what you're working? There on? was. I had to bail on a Buffy job, unfortunately, because my life was falling apart. But I love Buffy. I love Boom. Boom Studios has the Buffy license right now, and yeah. uh, I would love to 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 work on it in the future 100 percent. cool so i'm i'm a big grant morrison fan i know that you are too and i like i mean the invisibles is great dude patrol is great I, I, but there's something that, that's i like even more than his comic books about him and is that it's his willingness to sort of like dip his toes into the world of chaos magic and um you yeah. know like crowley inspired yeah stuff for uh, me it was it's like um 
you know, I, I'm I'm unlearned, but I dabble hard. And, uh, you know, I feel I've done like, it a few times and got yeah, scared because of how yeah, real it became. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, for many years I did sigils, which is, you that, know. I you did find, some of those. Yeah, and they worked a lot of the time. Uh, if so they're realistic he's, he's sort of like infamous for having like a mass orgasm sigil or like not yeah yeah a wank of th- yeah it was like a mass <laughs> wanking to keep the invisibles from being canceled but like i tend to look at it like in a very primitive way it's kind of what you were saying about um and i think he looks at it like this too which is why i relate to him a lot more than like alan moore even though alan moore is like a god to me of yeah, course of course um but 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 I think he sees it in a very primitive way where he's like he could sit down and talk about that with someone who's just like a bro on the street and be like or or like some Christian fundamentalist even and you and, probably and, have more in common with that person though. right exactly than than someone who's just kind of cynical and shitty you know so like that is kind of how I look at it where it's like I guess you could say white magic you know it's like really it's just a matter of karma you know uh, my my comic book heavy uh which is probably the most personal comic i've done is all about that where it's really just a causal thing where it's you know if you have an intention it might just be it is wank it's just wanking off but that but what is art but wanking off and so therefore if someone hears a song and it inspires them to do something even if it's not what you wanted to inspire in them that's not you. Well, I think You're the magic word, the magic word that you just said there is intention. I think a lot of your songwriting has that in, embedded in it. Like your song shops that. in particular, <laughs> I've seen you do song shops live where you read a few sentences and you you know just from reading the words, like what, what I the want in- to. Yeah, I I, you, I try to glean from what I what they may want. You know what I mean? It's it's that's that's what I think you're referring to is like if if I sense in there that they have a particular way that they look at their loved one, like their girlfriend or something or boyfriend, like then it's how can I speak to that? How can I create something that I would want if I were them? And this was the emotion I was having, you know, I project, I empathize as much as possible. And so when I'm writing comics, for instance, you know, I want to both consciously and unconsciously stimulate the reader. So it's like the unconscious stuff is that not everyone can know that, you know, when I'm writing Moon Knight, that, you know, the the bad guy is actually that guy <laughs> from from the pod. He's Elon Rutberg or whatever. Sorry, bro. That's you. Um, and, you know, or, and and that I'm feeding my actual actions into it and that I'm literally using words that are being said to, to inspire me. But then, you know, what's crazy about it is then you, you know, you end up on a podcast 20 years later and you get all of it. So, you know, like at the time, you know, if I would have written the pyramid and the Liberty bell and I'm like, but no one's really going to get that. I'm just this random fucking emo guy. Like no one's going to take the time. And even if they did, no one's going to think like me, but then you get there and people really think like you and, and, and the, the analysis of art, I I'm like that. And as much as I very much so have a hard time see, like this is surreal to me in such a good way. Like you could tell I'm enjoying this because like, I don't walk around thinking that there's people like you out there who are basically a lot like me, about the things that I love. You know, I don't treat my art in that regard as much as I maybe should more, Um, but I know it, I know it objectively. So therefore like 
even if I can't comprehend it on a heart level and I have insecurity issues, I, I'm still feeding things with the intention that they could be looked into the way people look into like a Kubrick film. You know what I mean? Oh um, God, yeah. You know, and 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 that's so powerful because it helps you when you're writing. You know what I mean? Like I'm writing a comic right now that the character is based on a gender reversed version of my wife and he's a complete piece of shit because <laughs> my wife is such a good person partially because she didn't grow up with toxic masculinity and i do find that a lot of the people like imagine if beyonce was a dude that would be a douchebag right <laughs> let's be honest but because she's fighting for the empowerment of women which is like probably one of the most important things that you can do as a woman right now those qualities are a lot of things that make you a good or bad person are situational. So like a guy with that level of confidence or an addiction issue, you know, like for instance, like my mom, I'm sorry, my mom, my, my wife deals with that, but like a lot of it, you know, she wouldn't mind me saying, and I, it's the same with anyone who deals with it, it comes from trauma. And a lot of a trauma comes from misogyny in her life, you know, being treated like dirt, you know? And so guys who have that issue in a way it comes from having too much power sometimes being able to walk into a bar and just you know and and schmooze and yeah it comes from hurt it's a similar same thing it's still hurt and it doesn't make their doesn't lessen their um their right to like overcome it it's yeah. still like a noble nobility inside yeah. that's tarnished but it's, it's very still a very of you. <laughs> well yeah it's thank you yeah but but like it's kind of what we were talking about looking around at you know when i was growing up and seeing dudes who was just like yeah i fingered her you know it, you know what i mean like it's like <laughs> and, and you're like ha, ha, and you feel weird about it and like you know that half the other dudes in the room feel weird about it and that is the boys club so so like very much so I feel like in a room of women right now, that would be empowering. And that's really, you know, so, so those same qualities, it, it, but that just also shows how Im immaterial gender is to some degree at the end of the day. And that is yeah. situational, yeah. you know, like that's not because she uh, thinks differently than anyone. That's just because women have been disempowered for the entire history of, you know, mankind. And it's just starting to get better a little, you know, um, but that's, that has nothing to do with anyone's intention. So I'm trying to find the, as you said, I'm trying to empathize with the opposite. So like basically the Oliver appropriate uh, is. Yeah. Is I mean, of, yeah. Sometimes I struggle with like doing that to an ex to like an extent that's like exceeding what I want to do because me too, then I, me too. Cause then I'm like, wait, am I just, do I just like the bad guy now? <laughs> like, no, no, you don't. Because I'm telling you, that was my, uh, at least in my opinion. No, I think you're fascinated because you're so different. It's like, oh, it's like, it. I think so. Because unless you're tempted to go out and do those things, you know, like no, for instance, no, no. I, Right. But, but, but like we flirt with some of those things, you know, I, I, again, like, I don't know what the your life is like. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've, you know, we've been out there and shit, but it's like, you know, I think it really is just about your reaction to, to situations that are normal to try. Do you have a moral reaction? Do you have a reaction that's empathetic towards other people? Or are you kind of sucked in by the power of any of those given situations. And and like, yeah, for instance, Oliver Appropriate, all I was doing at the time was reading about psychopaths because I, I had that same fear. 
I had a fear because there was so much gaslighting done to me over the course of my career in say anything. There was so much gaslighting. I think that, you know, it's interesting. I wanted to bring this up to you. I think that the first record being Israel Boy and the last record being Oliver Appropriate, Inappropriate. I think like a lot of the, like the dichotomy in say anything is you being from LA and then moving to New York and like those two different cultures and like philosophies. And, and And that I was born in New York and that my family and you have a catholic father and a jewish mother like yes it's 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 very like that yeah yeah. um yeah yeah, no and i i i also wanted to like i think it's sort of like simmered down a little bit there's a little bit of it in the new record but there always is seems to be like an enemy in your songwriting you know like not not necessarily like an us versus them but like just sort of like like yeah, this... there, there always is, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah think... I guess there always is. It's light and dark. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that even in a like in a utopian society, which I am a very like utopian thinker, I believe that we can create it one day. And, you know, I think it's unlikely, but I have to at least try. Um, and I think you would have things like really open discourse between enemies. You would have things like wars that were fought entirely in a video game or through a through a um you know, uh, uh, diplomacy. <laughs> yeah. Through diplomacy, through, through, um, debate club type shit, you know, because it's like more, there's never going to not be, the world would be boring and terrible and sterile. And it would be Nazi-esque to want everyone to have the same values. You know, everyone is, it's what makes things exciting. Like I said, me and my wife, it's an opposite attract scenario. But then when I meet some dudes who have a lot of the same things, you know, kind of, um, she's, she's snarky. She's, you know, she's got like an addiction thing and for her it works. And she's still like this fucking queen. But then when I see it in a dude, I'm like, Oh my fucking God. Like a lot of those <laughs> enemies have those qualities. Yeah. So it is a very weird Freudian thing in that you want that you, those are, uh, it's a Lennon McCartney thing where you have this mind meld with people who are opposite of you and you create something together. Uh, you have that with Chris too, right? Yeah, very much so. And and Kobe, you know, like um and and Josh Sultan, a lot of my closest friends have been my opposite, but then we're also so similar because of our intention, you know, because of wanting the best for the world, um, you know, and all these things that 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 so so I kind of see the world that way is that that we it's important though to have a moral standard and we all fail it sometimes, you know, yeah. we all fail it. It's just that You've always been really good at that. I like, like, I think in like 2004, 2005, you did an open letter to Tim Kinsella after he was in alt press talking shit about emo kids and you signed it, by the way, burned your last records or whatever. I I, I always appreciated when you did that. I mean, even before in defense of the genre was a record, you were defending kids who were just like, I, can I just listen to like what I want to listen to without being called a pussy? Like, yeah. Yes. And it's, and it's a very codependent thing too, which I've learned to, you know, both realize can be a problem. It could be not, I'm not saying that it's mean or bad, but it invites the worst sometimes of people. And it's, it almost wills it to happen. Like what you're describing as uh, that oppositional uh, sort of defensive thing uh, it's like, on the cover look new and old there you go yeah, we're, there you we're go. in a battle exactly right so so like now i'm trying i still have that 
hundred percent. Like I, I have people right now I could talk to you about who are the enemy, <laughs> but I will tell you that like, you know, I, I try to be more empathetic towards them. Um, but also. Yeah. The Trump, the Trump so years were kind of hard for me because obviously he's a piece of shit. That's and what like, I'm saying. But like, like I like can't help, but like empathize with his supporters for like, you know, like I don't agree with what they're saying, but, yeah, but like, you're being a good person to me. Empathy in and of itself is being a good person. That's yeah. it's not the fact that you're on the side of right this time, because that's just because we were raised well. Let's be honest. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if we were if we were raised in Nazi Germany and I, I think this is a, a comparison we're allowed to make here, um, <laughs> you know, like if we were two little German kids and they just go, Jews are rats. And like, I'm just like, oh. That's interesting. Like you wouldn't have to necessarily come to the conclusion that they're not rats. Cause if that's being told to you repeatedly, how are you supposed to know? You just don't know. You know, it's same, same way with kids being raised to be racist, homophobic it, where I live in Texas. But then you do see that if they're exposed to the truth enough, but, st but then divert that's just as good for me. And that's why I've always wanted there to be a, what you're doing to me is the best thing you could possibly do. And both sides should be doing that because yeah. we are fucked up in our own way on the left. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think there's some disgusting like really, shit. really fucked up. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, I think if it weren't for the voice of some of those heinous people on the right, you know, but, but then again, I would say that it, it could all be done with a lot more civility. Like I said, in, in, in a, in a more, um, whatever, you know, playing, fucking whatever table hockey or whatever no no as opposed to like i'm going to destroy your life you are canceled you can no longer get a job yeah, you know what yeah, i mean like yeah, yeah. i think unless someone's actually like doing heinous things or or sexual stuff like that because they say something wrong i don't believe in it i don't believe in it unless it's a hate crime you yeah. know like if it's literally kind of not good or problematic what needs to happen is a sitting down and talking about it so that they either agree or disagree and then go from there. You know, yeah. it's like, it's, it's a naive worldview, but I've had to learn to feel compassionate towards it because it's also being naive can definitely invite things to harm you and to other people around you in a way. Cause if you're seeing the best in people, always not everyone's going to, you know, not take advantage of it, you know? Oh. So, so I've had to be even nice people, you know what I mean? Like even my best friends, even my kids, my kids are a great example. You know what I mean? Like if I don't sometimes say no, and I just feel bad for every single thing that I say no to, they're going to be fucked up, yeah. you know? So I have to work against that codependency uh, sometimes. Yeah. That's something that everybody should work on. Um, yes. okay. so, uh, you're kind of an Anglophile, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my vitriol biffy clyro these are some yes. of your favorite bands right oh yeah and and you know it started with british humor really like oh, monty yeah. python yeah. And ricky gervais is like one of your heroes right I yeah mean, you're the yes. wanker if anyone is is from the yeah. office right <laughs> yeah and i have a carl pilkington tattoo oh, my God, um, amazing That's... yeah it's i only it's it's probably the most important piece of art to me since maybe in defense of a genre around that time is the podcast he did with um carl which is like the first podcast really it was yeah. the first real podcast like that so he's he has he has a lot of enemies i love like every time me too yeah I, I i'm annoyed that people don't get it more <laughs> but i also get it like i think i'm in a privileged position and we both are to be like 
white dudes. You know, it's like, yeah. I, I, so I get it. Like, like if I were a, like a trans person and I heard him trying to annoy people by pretending to be transphobic to call out transphobes, yeah. I'd be like, just call out the transphobe. You don't have to do it through a veil of irony, <laughs> you know, like, so it would probably annoy me maybe, but at the same time, I know people like non-Jewish people who can make Jewish jokes and they don't offend me. You know, I know people who can make jokes about mental illness. It doesn't offend me. I like it. I like to have my, but again, I don't know. Again, this is just me being empathetic. I did grow up privileged to some degree. So I don't want to say there are things I'm not privileged that I've had a hard fucking time, but those, I do think that even with those things, I find it to be um, funny and, and I do like that stuff. So, so with Gervais, I'm sorry to say, but like, I do think he's, he's over um, demonized for, for being politically incorrect. When, if you take the time to know him, he's actually very punk rock. He believes in equal rights all around. I not think enthusiastically. Kanye similarly deals with a similar perception. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, Kanye, I think is maybe not, you know what? You're right. He is doing it on purpose too, but he's, I think that there's some element of it. That's a little bit less conscious. You know what I mean? Like yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. Ricky, it's a full on joke. I would yeah. like to think that I'm a little bit more like that. Like when I go on record and I say something like, you know, I hate Jews cause I'm a Jew and I hate myself. You know, it's like, I don't really hate Jews, nor do I really hate myself. I'm just trying to like, you know, capture lightning in a bottle, capture a feeling that I have once in a while, yeah, you know, and I think to express self-loathing. Like, yeah, exactly. In an artistic but, but, way. but I think there are times where maybe Kanye really does. And I'm not talking about Jews, even though some people think he's, he, by the way, he's not, he's not anti-Semitic. Um, but, but like, I think there are times, I think he's very bipolar. And, and I think that, you know, from what I, know of him and having met him as well he's just really passionate so he'll go after one thing and get very much in, in it but it all comes from completely positive intentions yeah I always agree. um yeah so like i guess we'll, we'll close it out with this I, w worlds apart you have the tattoo i mean the sentiment of it i mean i love the band trail of dead they're one of my favorites and that record yeah that's awesome it's just incredible but i mean blood and death we will pay back the debt of this candy store of ours gotta be one of the hardest fucking yeah. rock lyrics ever it's and it's I, gnarly i've looked at it recently and i'm like wow i chose a gnarly one you know like <laughs> it's, but it's true because it really does define um the you know you're describing the enemies you know it's like we could all be that person you know i i i'm sure i've been that person and not known it you know been been the man to someone um and you know, I could probably come up with examples even, you know, like just being like kind of dismissive of a friend in middle school who really liked me a lot. And I was like, oh, get away. Like you're too, you're following me around too much. Oh, like man. at that point, I'm being kind of an asshole, you know, like I may have learned my lesson from it, whereas some people don't, but I, it doesn't make it any better for that kid who was scarred just like I was in the way that I described my fucking asshole friend doing it to me. So, you know, it's really like, 
That said, I do think that it's important to remember the fucked up, like the reason punk exists, the reason rock and roll exists is struggling against an imperialism that is about as bad as like fucking Darth Vader. There's like like a mental imperialism. Of course. That's the whole thing. That's the invisibles thing. And it's, it starts there, you know, like, but, but for people who don't want to go there to that esoteric place, all you really have to do is look out your window and go, there are homeless people. Yeah. Shit. Why? Why? You know, it's like the, um, what is it? George Carlin, where he's like, He's like golf courses. He's like fucking golf courses. Like there's homeless oh, people and golf courses. Like what is this fucking world we live in? So like as much as I tend to be very optimistic and and wanting to make something of it, the direness of um something like 9/11 clearly being spurred on by politics and on both sides by the way i'm not someone who goes we were asking for it but i do like no one fucking deserve that shit like but but at the same time it's both sides you know it's 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 um it's you know the stuff that everyone likes to talk about the conspiracy part and how it served us and it gave it was like you know propaganda for bush all this stuff that's true but at the same time you look at the other side and it's like fucking terrorism is terrible that exists right now that's going on some kids are being raised to not even know reality to go out and kill and so so you it says how they laugh as we shovel the ashes right yeah i think i think yeah exactly so it's like there are really evil i i don't like saying evil people there is evil Uh, being done comic book evil empire yeah, like there that that that's not far off. You know, like I I would put Donald Trump as one of those people, unfortunately. You know, like as much as as I'm sure I've tried to empathize with him in the same way you have, and he, you know, there are times, whatever. He's a great example of one of those people who knows he's an asshole. He knows that he's profiting from other people's loss and death and loss of identity well, that was sort of one of the things that i talked about in the first few episodes of this podcast how certain musicians in this genre that you sort of came out of would use that would use it consciously like this facade of being this like thoughtful guy to mm-hmm. like prey on fans and women you know? <laughs> exactly exactly like that was my oliver appropriate experience was was basically you know that was me too that was when that was created and so basically i started going back into my mind you know and i go was i one of those guys you know like because i had phone sex with some random girls when i was like 19 living alone in my parents house completely lonely and i was not promiscuous but but i did do that with random people some of whom were fans of my band not underage same age as me still still (laughs) felt bad about it still you know like i still feel like like i'm not proud of it because there's a inherent power dynamic there that that you know like but i couldn't have conceived it as such i really never but but like you said there are some people who it's conscious, you know, and I've seen it in person. I'm sure like you these, have. So many I. times, many times, you know, like I'm going to go out and, and try to get with a girl because I'm in the band. Yeah. Like that's weird and dark. And um, it's one thing if you're like, wow, I can tell that this attractive girl thinks that I'm attractive. We're looking at each other. I'm on stage. She's there. And we're having a human connection. But that just takes someone having humility you know what i mean like i'm sure that drake 
you know, that's Drake's shit. He literally talks about it, that he will go out after the show and, and fuck girls. But I don't think it's dark. And this is just complete projection because I'm a Drake fan. But I will say that, like, I don't think he's doing it in the same way that, like, R. Kelly was doing it. Let's just put it that way. Of course. Yeah. I think he, like, sees a girl out there and he's like, God, she's beautiful. I can marry that girl. I can't believe she's looking at me and she thinks I'm awesome. I'm going to I'm going to definitely act on that. You know what I mean? As opposed to, man, with all this power, I could probably convince this person who wouldn't have sex with me to have sex with me. Yeah. And yeah, then you get into underage shit and then you get into the fucking lost profits level shit. And it's just it's it. it so, yeah, I basically had to create a character who was um, lived the logical extension of that mentality. Like if I was that bad of a person. That is what I'd be doing right now. I'd be single, living in Brooklyn, so praying last, on some. The last yeah. song on the last anything record, Sediment. So beautiful. The smell of your body is making me heat. I thought you were candy. Just like in nature, my good man. So now you can't leave me Just like the rest of them did So that's, Thank you. that's you burying that guy, right? Yeah, yeah, it was, it's the end of that era of of for me of of and it ended that is a weird meta thing because everything I've done since then despite all the self-doubt and self-loathing that I still feel, if not more than ever has been with the confidence that what I'm trying to achieve isn't that like, I'm not even saying that I'm not causing all kinds of terrible shit and that I'm seek that I am unconsciously a bad person who knows, like I would have to be a narcissist to not question whether I am one that said, I know that in my conscious mind, I'm either you know, a, a, a decent person or completely insane, not in the way that I am like actually am insane bipolar. Like, I mean, like I would have to be deluded to the utmost because really consciously I'm trying to help people consciously. I'm trying to make moral decisions and, and do the right thing for my kids. And, um, I I'm very sort of hard on myself about that stuff because now I feel like it's okay because that's just what defines me before I felt like I questioned it. Like, am I being to this? Am I being to that? But then in seeing what the, the way the other half thinks by reading so much about it, by, by all the things that happened to me during that time, a lot of weird meta shit, you know, that I was able to finally go, okay, I'm nothing like that. I may be my own kind of monster and uh, who knows. It's amazing that you like eventually achieved that clarity after. Yeah. Steering. I mean, that was the whole thing of saying anything. And it's great that you, you know, recognize it again. It means so much because like that was very overt, you know, I was in the studio going, I am killing this person. I didn't know it was the end of say anything though, yeah. you know, uh, but I did know that I wanted this person and then also that person though first of all he kills himself you know what i mean like second it, it burned itself out and then secondly like um there's an aftermath there's like uh, he's he's in the afterlife and he keeps wandering and wandering and it goes on and on and on and you it's don't the know Jewish what hell. He's doing. yeah exactly exactly and um 
I would like to think it's redeemed. You know, I would like to think there's plenty. There, there was a weird thing that I thought of, which is that he's Sherry. You yeah. know, he was reborn as Sherry, like oh because, you know, if if Oliver appropriate again was a girl, and was that, you know, kind of tortured, but you'd then, be like, like I want to hang out with her. Yeah, exactly. Like that would be a badass. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> so maybe he's a girl. I don't know. Cool. All right, man. Um, yeah, this was awesome. I'd love to. Talk it really to you was one sometime. of the best podcasts ever, man. It's just the right.